It is said by the scripture that before a man comes to Christ, he is in darkness. He cannot see. And the first thing that must take place in a person's life before they come to Christ is to be what the old preachers would say, disturbed by the Holy Spirit, shook up a little bit by the entrance of light. Men don't need to be educated. They need to be saved. They need light because we are in darkness without him. Think of it as being born in a cave. And all you know is the darkness of that cave and the shadows here and there and the dampness And all of a sudden, one day, either you walk past a crevice that shows the sunlight bursting in and you were shocked by it. You didn't know you were in darkness because that's all you've ever known. But then the Holy Spirit begins to disturb the life and upset the processes. And light begins to reveal itself. And in that moment, in that time is the critical time for a person to either respond to the light that the Holy Spirit is giving through the gospel of Jesus Christ or turn to walk back into darkness. What we need at those times is incredible clarity. Clarity about the gospel, clarity about your own situation. But when the Spirit gives light, He gives light, and you see it. In the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, there was a critical moment that we're going to look at today. It was in the second question of Nicodemus, which was not a question at all. It was a response of unbelief. Jesus saw it. Jesus responded to it. And went to the heart of Nicodemus. Sometimes in sharing the gospel with people who don't know the Lord, they will throw up what's called smoke screens of questions. Trying to fog the issue when the real issue is their decision for Christ. It is awfully good at those moments to push away the clouds and see what's really in the heart of man. About eight months ago, I spent about one hour with about 20 atheists. It was a club of atheists that I gathered myself around. They surrounded me in a college classroom. And by the time I got out of there, I thought, well, I won't do this again for a while. It began very cordially. And as I shared truth, it became more antagonistic. And by the end of the session, the leader looked at me and said, This, because I questioned him and said, in other words, what you're saying is you are more moral than the God of the Bible. He said, I absolutely believe I'm more moral than the God of that book. And he revealed with the rest of them the heart of man. Pulled open. And we see the heart of Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John verse 9. Listen carefully, let the smoke clear. If you don't know Christ, you're in a cave of darkness. It seems normal to you, but it is not. And the light of Jesus Christ in the gospel is going to shine by the Holy Spirit 
on you at this moment. Chapter 3, verse 9. Look at it carefully with me. Jesus has just explained that you've got to be born again. Nicodemus said, how can I, when I'm old, be placed back in my mother's womb? That was a case of intelligent stupidity. Jesus said, you don't understand. Those who are born of the water and the Spirit are those who are born again. He said the Spirit blows where it wants to. It is, you don't see it. You see the effects of it. It is mysterious, he says to Nicodemus. You will never understand with your mind what it means to be born again. The Spirit is sovereign. He calls. And He is mysterious. People don't get saved because they understand the gospel. But look at chapter 3, verse 9. Jesus, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? He was not asking a question at this point. He was questioning the speaker. He was questioning the person of Jesus Christ himself. Notice Jesus' response to him. Verse 10. Jesus answered and said, You're a teacher of Israel? And you don't know these things? You lead spiritually in your religion and this is news to you? That which should be self-evident to you and you don't see it? Basically, Nicodemus, your religion has done nothing for you. You lead this stuff and you don't know this stuff? Religion never did anything for anyone except keep them on a dark path in the cave. You lead in your religion. You know the hardest people to reach for Christ are the religious. Those who are steeped in whatever religion, you name it. Because they have been taught incorrectly that it's their efforts that brings them to God. Jesus said, that didn't do a thing for you. You don't even know these things. And then look at verse 11. Look how he, look how he just homes in. He says, verily, verily, I send to you. We speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and you receive not our witness. That's a strange tense to be talking first person, is it not? He should say, look, I'm talking about what I know. I'm talking about what I've seen. You're rejecting what I'm saying. He doesn't say that. He uses we and are. Well, who else could he possibly be talking about? Probably the same one in Genesis when it said, let us make God man in our image. The Father's talking to you. The Holy Spirit's talking to you. And I'm talking to you. Salvation is an attack of the threefold Godhead (laughs) enveloping a person and communicating. And notice what he says. We're not talking to you about something we don't know. We, we know what we're talking about. Because we, the Godhead, have seen it. And you, Nicodemus, are rejecting what we are saying to you. Do you understand the import and the impact of that? Do you understand Nicodemus' problem at this point was not a lack of information? Jesus just explained, you're not going to understand the gospel. The first question that needs to be asked is, do you believe what I am declaring to you? 
The gospel is not explained to people. It is declared. And when God Almighty says, you must be born again, your first response and question is, who is speaking to me at this very point? You are rejecting me. Do you understand Nicodemus' position at this point? Look what else he says in verse, verse 12. If I have told you earthly things, notice he does not say, and you understood it not. Understanding is not the problem. He says, and you didn't believe. If I've told you earthly things that you should understand, that you, look, it is self-evident there's something wrong with humanity. It is self-evident to all of us that there's nothing in us in life. We need God. We need Jesus Christ. We need the Spirit of God within us. Born from above, we need life poured out of there into us. That is not brought about by my efforts or trying or doing anything. Nicodemus proved it because he was the ruler, he was a leader of a religion and didn't have it. Nothing you do in your efforts brings life to you. But Jesus said, you must have life from outside. That is earthly. You ought to get that. You ought to know that. Be honest. Let the smoke clear in your mind. He said, if I told you earthly things and you didn't believe them, look at verse 12. How shall, I, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Verse 13 is a partial quote from Proverbs chapter 30. Let's read it first, and then let's look back into the original proverb. All right, look at verse 13. No man hath ascended to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Notice he's still in heaven, though he's on the earth. I love that. Let's go back to, to Proverbs chapter 30. Let's take a look at this. This is the verse. It is a question of a, of, of a guy named Agar. It's in chapter 30 of Proverbs, verse 4. Let's listen to it read. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the winds in his pit? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? That thou inquirest. Did you get that? He asked the question. Who has ascended up to heaven? And who has come down? Anyone who can do that can hold the wind in his fists. He can bind the waters in a garment. He established the end. And then he asked the question, what is his name? What is his son's name? Jesus looks at Nicodemus. No man has ascended. No one's made it by their own efforts. I am the Son of Man who has come down. I am claiming before you to be God who holds the fists, who holds the winds in his fists. You see the power of that statement? I am the one who has ascended, descended. I have come down. I have been in the courts of heaven, and what I declare to you is truth. Now you have a decision to make. Do you believe? 
It is he who said it is he. Did you catch that? Do you believe that he is God? Do you believe that he is the Son? Do you believe that it's all the first step in the gospel is to believe that it is Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he is God in the flesh? Because nothing he did on the cross matters unless you believe that. Believing the gospel is not believing a set of facts. It is first believing it is he, he is God. We don't ask Jesus into our heart. We use that phrase. I don't even know if that's biblical. Perhaps more biblical to say we, have, we are to believe on his name. We are to believe on Christ. Notice the next verse. Verse 13. Verse 14. And he says to Nicodemus, In the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent... In the wilderness, even so this Son of Man who has come down from heaven must be lifted up. What a great story. What a great illustration from the Old Testament. What a great picture of Christ. If you will remember the Old Testament story, the children of Israel were going through the wilderness toward Canaan land. And they began to murmur and complain. And serpents and snakes look like something out of an Indiana Jones film. Serpents and snakes came out from one of the rocks and began to bite the Jews. And as they bit them, they began to die. And as they died, they cried to the Lord, and the Lord said this to Moses. Take an image of a snake... Created out of bronze, a brazen serpent. Put it on a pole, and you who represents the law, lift it up. And as Moses stood on the side of that hill, simply lifting up the brazen serpent, watch this, those who simply looked were healed. They looked. They didn't do anything. Some of them didn't have good eyesight, and they were old. Doesn't say anything about bad eyesight. It just said, lift your eyes and look. Some were close, some were far. Didn't ask them to do anything, but lift their eyes and look. What a beautiful picture of Christ on the cross. What a beautiful picture of the Messiah dying for us. Notice it was not a serpent or a snake. What does the snake represent? The bite of sin and humanity. Sin itself. Christ came not in sinful flesh, but in the likeness of sinful flesh. It wasn't a serpent on that pole. It was a brazen image of that serpent itself. When Christ was crucified, the Bible says literally he became sin for us. That we might become, by the look of faith... The righteousness of God Almighty. It was not made out of gold. It was not made out of silver. It was made out of bronze, which is the strongest metal. Stronger than gold. Stronger than silver. I tell you, we have a strong Savior. Able to save to the uttermost. Able to save the worst sinner. Able to save a man who is in his 90s and a child nine years old. 
able to save someone who is outwardly moral and able to save the worst of prostitutes and drug addicts and murderers. Serial killers can come to Christ. And dignified bankers who've paid their bills all their life can also equally be saved because they're equally lost. Jesus said in the same way Moses lifted that serpent up, so must I be lifted up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Now that phrase has been used in praise and worship concerts, say, let's lift him up. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about lifting up on the cross. And he's also talking about us preaching to you that he has been lifted up on the cross. And that's the only way you can be saved and born again. You cannot be saved through your efforts, through your religion, through, your, through anything that you do. You only get saved by a look. When you see that the Son of Man, notice it says the Son of Man, not the Son of God. It's emphasized the Son of Man because He became one of us to die in our place. To pay for our sin. It couldn't be any simpler. And Jesus nails Nicodemus to the wall. And he says, it's not a problem with you understanding. It's your problem of rejecting me personally. Do you, see how, do you see how personal it is? Do you understand that? You're not rejecting a set of facts. You're not rejecting a book. You're rejecting God himself who has ascended, descended down to you. Now, the beautiful thing is in that verse... He, 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 after the resurrected, ascended back to heaven. So now we have a man who has ascended up to heaven. Why is that important? Because I want to ascend up to heaven. And because I have been placed in Christ, I have been ascended up to heaven. As we sit in the heavenlies with him. Isn't that incredible? He is who he said he was. He is God in the flesh. And Nicodemus, it isn't that you don't understand. It's that you reject him. Look at the next verse and we're done. Oh, by the way, it's almost like Thomas Edison brings you a, this is a feeble illustration Thomas Edison brings you a light bulb and begins to explain to you the procedure and the way it was created and everything. And you look at Thomas Edison and say, how can these things be? Really? Over a thousand inventions? We got these things because of him? You're not rejecting the formula of a light bulb. You're rejecting his testimony of the originator of it. It goes far deeper, doesn't it? Look at the next verse and then we're done. Verse 15, I love the second word of this verse. I want you to look at it with me. That whosoever, I love that. It doesn't say those who have been 
chosen. Now, if you get saved today, you're going to discover you've been chosen. But it doesn't say that here. It says, whosoever. Only requirement is that you're a whosoever. It's you. That whosoever, notice, doesn't understand, but simply believes that he is who he said he was, that he is the Christ of God, and that he died on a cross in your place. And you simply must look to be saved. That whosoever believes, notice, on him should not perish. If you're not saved today, you, are, you haven't perished, but you are perishing. You're on the road to darkness that would lead to eventually being in a place of hellfire, separated from Him, and God desires no man to go there. It is His desire for all men to be saved, the Bible says. But today might be your day to stop perishing and be saved. Notice he says, should not perish, but should have, possess. Notice, not the longevity of life, that you should possess eternal life. What is the eternal life? It is the life of God himself living inside your mortal bodies. When Augustine was tempted to sin, he cried out and said, thou fool, he said to himself, don't you know you carry God with you? Amen. He desires for you to have himself. An amazing thing. Now, how does that work? How does that really work? All right, let's, let's try to analytically figure it out. Uh, I can't. I don't know. The wind blows where it wants to blow, but you see the results of it. It's mysterious. It's not required for you to know analytically how it works. All is required for you and I who have been bit by the snake, laying in the side of the mountain. All that matters, all that's required is this. A look. And belief that looking upon that brings the very life of God inside of me. And Nicodemus, who was steeped in religion, a leader of a religion needed to be born again of the Spirit of God because he was dead, he was in a cave, darkness was his environment, he didn't even know it until the light of Jesus came and when he began to reject the light, Jesus said, no, 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 it's not that you don't understand the light, you are rejecting me. Man, I'm happy to report that Nicodemus is in the Gospel of John and two other places, seen as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Like that, don't you? Isn't that great? That was his decision. We've got to know his decision. Sometimes you don't know the decisions of people in the Bible. You know Nicodemus. He got born again. Maybe not that night, but later on perhaps. Maybe that night. We're not, you know why we're not told? Because this is, this, that was his story. This is your story. This is your moment to hear Jesus look at you and say, do you believe who I say that I am? And if you believe on who I say that I am, then look at the cross and look what I did for you. Because when you see Jesus, God on this cross, it, dying for your sins, and you believe on that, you're born again. You're saved. 
very life of God comes into you. It is not progressive in nature. You don't work into getting being born again no more than you worked into getting born the first time. By the way, look, look back the many years ago when you got born the first time. You know, the physical thing. Tell me how that worked. Explain to me that process. Well, mom and dad, you know, they're having a good night and they just, you know, they just all started the thing. And I guess, how do you know? How do you know how all that works? I don't know. I just, I just know I'm here. I don't know how it all works. I just know I'm saved. I just know I'm born again. Three things and we're done. Okay? We'll go through them. Number one, being born again is a declaration of need. If you don't think you need to get born again, you think you got your religion and you got your whole deal and you're a pretty good guy, then you won't get saved. You won't get saved. Being born again is a declaration that I am lost, that I am dead inside, that I need life from somewhere outside myself. This, this being born again doesn't like bubble up inside of you like a flame that's flickering down there and you throw a little gas on it and it goes, you just blow up. No, 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 no. You're dead inside and you need life poured into you from an outside source. You see the difference? Number two. To reject the message is to reject the messenger. People go to an eternity without God because that is what they want. They have chosen that. Do you understand? People say, well, how unfair it is of God to put us in the garden and give us a choice and and, and I'm just amazed, you know, we fall into sin, you know, then he gives us this ultimatum. I got, this is what the atheist said. They give us this ultimatum. I got to believe in the Son or I'm going to hell. What kind of choice is that? That's a pretty good choice. I'm not amazed that we fell into sin. I'm not amazed at all that. I'm amazed that he didn't just bankroll us out. I'm amazed that he just didn't cast off all of, all of his creation and start over again. I'm amazed that he came back to redeem us. That's what I'm shocked at. overwhelmed by the love of God who would not let Adam and Eve go because I was in Adam and you were in Adam and Eve. We were in them. And we would have been cast off in all eternity and never known the joy of living in all eternity. But he didn't give up on it. He came back to redeem us. That's what I'm amazed at. It's a rejection of the messenger himself. And number three, to reject Christ is to continue in the cave. On a path that you are already set on, eternity without God. But the beautiful word today is whosoever. Amen. You can come to Christ. You can be born again of the Spirit of God. It, is a, it's, it has nothing to do with joining a church. It has nothing to do with getting baptized has nothing to do with anything a man tells you to do. It is God Almighty in the person of Jesus Christ who says simply look on me, believe that I am he and that I came to save you. Doesn't get any simpler than that. And when God in Christ died on that cross, the curtain between the Holy of Holies and the nation of Israel was ripped in half exposing access to God for all mankind. 
religion for 2,000 years got a really big needle and thread and is working at sewing that thing up. But I'm telling you today, the gospel is still ripped it down and you can come 